0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Be it superstition or just an apparition You suddenly appear inside my heart Does this strange romance stand the ghost of a chance? Welcome to From the Bleachers. I'm your host, as always, Seamus Clancy, coming to you from the wonderful Bleeding Your Nation Radio podcast. Now I have a special guest on today. Has there ever been on the show before? Kyle Barber, who is the managing editor of SB Nation's Raven site, Baltimore Beatdown, and is also a contributor to BaltimoreRavens.com and their Late for Work series. Doing a little bit of everything Ravens-related down there in the Baltimore area. Kyle, thank you for coming on
1: absolutely thank you very much for having me Seamus
0: yeah like the kind of cross pollination between the SB Nation NFL blog we got the SB Nation NFL NFL show having the kind of the editors from all the different sites on there uh, Brandon Lee Gallon is on there from Bleeding Green Nation so if you're listening to this like BGN Radio be sure to subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show as well check Brandon on there and then Know, tons of great contributors that I listen to it every day.
1: I have uh, actually checked up against uh, stats and BLG. Yeah, had some uh, Lamar slander that I will not take. Called them out on Twitter. Said we can talk about this on Twitter, or you guys can have me on the show. But I'm ready to to battle regardless uh, a few weeks back and, and they said, save it for the podcast. So I've hopped Ooh. on there and I've gone toe to toe with the big guys over there. So uh, yeah, their show was excellent. Definitely subscribe to the SB nation NFL show. If you haven't already.
0: Yeah. I like when RJ Ochea or Chella from blogging <laughs> the Voices is on there. Cause I like, I don't know. He doesn't know me well, but I just know him from like the, they do the NFC East mixtape show, which mm-hmm. is great on here as well. It's on both uh, sites feeds, but just kind of fake hate him where Told him like we're gonna do a get together watch party for week three the Eagles play the Cowboys on Monday Night Football in Dallas. or like I want to get like Michael kissed up here for it. He that guy won't come here, but I'm saying you should come <laughs> and we'll just boo you for like four hours in some brewery in philadelphia or
1: something like that that's a good plan uh rj actually follows me on a different podcast tonight i oh. uh, recording um i'm at seven he's at 7 30 so he's gonna have to try and catch the heat you know i'm Ooh. a tough act to follow so absolutely uh, so uh, i'm gonna be talking a bunch of smack to rj on socials after after the recording so uh it's gonna be fun but yeah rj's uh, an interesting character for sure <laughs> yeah.
0: but i have kyle on today to discuss lamar jackson his early early career success in Baltimore and how that can mirror Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. Obviously, similar styles. Hurts, not the caliber of player Lamar was coming into the NFL, and certainly Lamar has had tremendous success. He's made the, he's won the MVP trophy in twenty nineteen. Goes to the playoffs in twenty twenty. Wins his first playoff game. Correct. Correct. Twenty twenty. Yes. Correct. And tons of success. That's the absolute ceiling. If you know, you would dream that Jalen Hurts can have a career. Uh, in the next couple of years, the way Lamar has succeeded in Baltimore. But I wanted to see how those situations mirrored each other and how the Eagles could copy that to bring hurt success, not only just this year, but potentially for years to come. So coincidentally, and I mentioned this, we were talking before the show. The Eagles, after winning the Super Bowl, had the 32nd pick in the 2018 NFL draft. Because they had so much talent on their roster and they had a quarterback that could have won MVP the season before and had a different quarterback who won Super Bowl MVP. The Eagles obviously weren't in a market for, this, for an MVP or, I uh, sorry, I should say a quarterback in that year's draft. So they trade out of the 32nd pick with the Ravens who trade up to select out of Louisville, the 2016 Heisman Trophy winner, the third runner up in
1: the 2017
0: Heisman voting, Lamar Jackson.
1: Yeah, it was uh, quite an exciting time for our website because uh, fans wanted Lamar Jackson. Okay. Joe Flacco was... was a fan favorite, no doubt. But Lamar was somebody that a lot of people had mocked to him at 16, where they were originally supposed to be drafting at 16 or 18. Um, and then uh, they traded back, they traded back a second time. And, and that first selection in that draft was not actually Lamar. It's uh, pretty shocking to consider. Even the Ravens did pass over Lamar initially with uh, picking Hayden Hurst tight end out of South Carolina originally. But yeah, fans were excited mm-hmm. about Lamar and, and the idea of, of landing a, a a quarterback early, rather than seeking one out when it's too late to do so, and uh, a little bit of fresh blood in the franchise after uh, nearly a decade with Joe Flacco.
0: Not totally similar, but there are some vibes there that you can't help but look at with the way Carson Wentz was the entrenched franchise quarterback for the Eagles, and then that day two of the draft, the Eagles have, I believe, the fifty-second pick, fifty-fourth pick in the second rounds. And there's some safeties on the board. There's some defensive ends. People think the Eagles are going to draft. And then out of nowhere, they select on Hurts. And again, it's different. Wentz is much younger. Wentz didn't want to, he has a Super Bowl ring, but didn't win Super Bowl MVP and have that true playoff performance where Flacco went in some crazy sicko God full send mode in the 2012 (laughs) playoffs and played like Nick Foles did in 2017. Really it's kind of similar vibes there too. Um, But it was met with so much, I wouldn't say hostility, but just confusion and anger specifically, not at Hurts, nor at Wentz, but at the organization for doing so. And it certainly caused friction in the Eagles locker room with Wentz, who had dealt with the entire Foles saga hanging over his head for two years. Finally thinks he's going to be the main guy. Foles is out of town. He's in Jacksonville, signed a huge contract, got the bag. And then he has to now look over his shoulder once again, because the Eagles used a top 60 pick on another quarterback who could uh, usurp him, which he eventually did in the 2020 season. And, you know, it just shook his confidence because it was so rattled to begin with after the entire full sag. So was there friction clearly between Flacco and Lamar in that, I guess, 2018 season because I, I believe so. Flacco started as the started to begin the season and played it and go so well. He Lamar comes in. They did some trick plays with him, and then Lamar helps lead them to the playoffs. And that's kind of similar to what happened to Hertz this year, where Eagles were struggling. They throw some Hertz plays in there, have some success, have some misfires there, but eventually Hertz comes in again. He obviously they're not as good as the Ravens were in, in 2018 and 2019, so he didn't lead them to a the playoffs. But they were kind of in the mix to by week 15, week 16.
1: Yeah, so uh, the friction was—I wouldn't say like it was nearly to the level that the Eagles are uh, experienced with Wentz, Hurts, and and the that saga. Uh, However, saga is a good word. Yes. Uh, As as for Joe Flacco, you know, he said he he was—I would say—confident, and I think. he, he earned a bit of that respect of like, I'm still the starter. Like I'm here for a reason. And I plan on, you know, not giving up my position. You know, I think it was more of a competitive uh, vibe than it was uh, friction, but I think there definitely was some like anytime you are the starting quarterback and your team spends their first round pick or a first round pick on a possible replacement, you're going to be concerned and a little bit uh, agitated. I think I I would put it Um, Joe Flacco wasn't uh, harsh or didn't like show criticism publicly uh, outside of just saying like "Uh, this is my position. I plan on competing for it. And it was, uh, you know, in in week one, I believe he threw three touchdowns against the Buffalo Bills that year uh, and uh, performed great in a 47 to three blowout to begin the season. So, you know, Joe looks. Very much ready to continue competing. Meanwhile, Lamar Jackson needed to get up to NFL speed, uh, and that's not due to uh, his literal running speed. It's due to the mental game and the mechanics game because Lamar's speed is, is among the elite in the NFL, but yeah. he just had to get focused in the playbook and, and uh, operate his mechanics and get him up to NFL readiness.
0: Yeah. I look at Lamar in a tier to himself when it comes to speed and that dynamicism at the quarterback position. Then we look at tier two. I think Jalen Hurts is right there, similar to a guy who also played at Oklahoma, Kyle Murray, not as a Murray better quarterback prospect, better passer clearly at this stage of their careers, but I think they have similar styles and, Hertz has a nice blend of speed and size. He played the Cardinals last year, had a very memorable run where he, you know, truck-sticked. Buda Baker goes in for a touchdown, and that was one of those moments where people in Philadelphia think, "Oh my God, is this guy something? Can he be the guy? Can he be a franchise guy? Is this a flash in the pan?" How did the Ravens? I know our ball's there, but Greg Roman as a fu- offensive coordinator seems so integral to the success that Lamar had kind of making a unique offense that's not really seen as much in the pro game, felt a little college style. And I don't mean that in a negative connotation because Lamar obviously had tremendous, one of the most successful college quarterbacks of all time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you see pro, pro coaches a little reticent to bring those vibes, those intricacies to the pro game. But it seems that Roman did that so well for Lamar. What do you think? How do you think? They put him in a position to succeed because he did essentially immediately in twenty eighteen and then runs away with the m v p award the following season,
1: yeah, absolutely. you know once he joined in on the team, he went six and one as a starter, and the only loss being an overtime loss to the Kansas City chiefs, the bane of the Ravens' existence right now but uh more more importantly, you're answering your question, the significant aspect was the the ability and the unwavering confidence to just switch uh, schemes. They knew what Lamar's uh, strengths were. Everybody knows what Lamar's strengths are, speed, agility, and acceleration among the best in the world. And uh, he does so under center in the gun and the pistol, whatever, what, what so have you. And they also had a pretty staunch offensive line that they could run behind. Uh, Lamar, uh, excuse me, Marshall Yonda was still a part of that squad. I mean, far too frequently we've seen plays and uh, uh, all throughout his career of let's run behind number 73 on two on two hot. Like that was that was the running game. Yeah, um, help that Gus Edwards was a part of that team. Uh, perfect complement to Lamar's speed and agility is an absolute hammer of a of a heavy running back that's capable of gaining yards on just about every single carry. Uh, I think just the confidence to do so. And and I like that you put that, you know, they switched to a little bit more of a college system in which they're allowing the quarterback to be more mobile. They're allowing easier throws and they're trying to scheme up uh, an easier system for him as compared to when Joe Flacco was uh, under center. Uh, I think uh, not having any shame in in doing so is a is a key component there because some people like you mentioned it's not necessarily a negative but you're looked at differently when you yes. include a, a lesser system quote unquote and uh, the ravens said you know what this is going to help us succeed. John Harbaugh was, was getting mutterings of being let go at season's end. It's the, crazy it in probably, retrospect
0: that I remember yeah, that. Absolutely. Season but, but yeah, absolutely. But they
1: make this switch. They, they know Lamar's strengths. And they said, you know what? This is going to make us successful. We have a tough offensive line. We're a tough Ravens team. We are known for playing defense and running the football. Now we have an extra mobile player in Lamar Jackson. Let's utilize these strengths. And they came out. And they did so. Uh, And and that is what was so integral in getting him going in the NFL was they knew his talents. They knew how to execute it. They had the players to do such a scheme and uh, they were already there on the roster and that allowed for such a smooth transition more than anything.
0: What weaknesses, if any, presented itself for Lamar as a passer, whether it's in 2018 or early in 2019? Obviously, uber-efficient, had a ton of touchdown passes. But where did he struggle? So I want to look and see what Hurts struggles right now, to me, with accuracy and over the middle and in intermediate routes. That was a great deep ball, an accurate deep ball, and is really good on those short check-down passes. But it's in the middle of the field, uh, the middle of the defense – that accuracy, that pinpoint accuracy that I don't think he has just yet, or maybe he never will
1: get there. I think what this, Lamar I think add? the smoothness in his mechanics is okay. what was, what was uh, lacking there. He understands how to throw a pass. He's a, he was a college quarterback for goodness sake, you know? So he understood the concept of throwing the ball and how to throw the ball and, and how to drop back. But I think there's a, as we all know, there's a perfection that you seek as a professional athlete that, there's a difference between backup quarterbacks dropping back and Tom Brady dropping back. And Lamar was nowhere near what we know as the traditional smooth step drop um plan and like focusing on his throws and stuff. I think that was a little bit difficult. I think running an like an NFL system's incredibly different. And the jump from the college system to any college system to professional system is uh significant. You know, it's leaps and bounds and difficulty. And that was going to present a difficulty in itself. Uh Lamar's throws uh certainly had inaccuracies at times. It definitely ranged from short throws to intermediate and even deep passes. Uh, Those have been smoothed over uh, intermittently throughout his his career. The uh, the consistency was lacking. You know he can he can throw this beautiful third and one pass that actually that he has the confidence to instead go for the short checkdown to hit Marquise Brown forty yards deep, and he drops it in the basket over a defender. And then he'll nearly overthrow a five yard touchdown pass to Mark Andrews, who's standing wide open the end zone and he fires it up above uh, Andrews head and he's got to make a leaping one handed grab. So I think those inaccuracies have presented themselves throughout his career and uh, they've been worked on and developed and the Ravens hired uh, coaches to help him out. They hired a quarterback specialist. They hired a passing game coach. They brought in all sorts of different positions and coaches to truly give him every opportunity to succeed early in his career
0: I like that you mentioned the mechanics aspect because obviously I harped on the accuracy issue there and I think a lot of Eagles fans do but the one thing Nick Sirianni who's the Eagles new head coach has emphasized most in camp and seemed to spoke most of when discussing Hurts and his development and whether he's going to be the Eagles starter. I mean that not like he's competing with Flacco, but in the sense that the Eagles are still uh, in trade rumors with Deshaun Watts and all this stuff, and that's a whole other story that I've covered here a couple times. But he seems to have emphasized footwork, and I think that's a similar thing to what you're kind of talking about that you saw from Lamar. Obviously someone who – and you see that a lot from rookie quarterbacks that have a speed element to their game. Maybe they don't have the smoothest footwork dropping back because they're not. they know they're not a – prototypical passer they're not some slow Peyton Manning back there what makes hurts and a guy like Lamar Jackson's ability to escape the pocket roll outside the pocket make throws on the run so I think having that emphasis and working on that the same way that the Ravens did with Lamar is going to be huge to his development as a passer because obviously he can't run every time. It's going to be a third and six, thirty, third and seven. He's going to need to make a great play. That's a 12-yard pass over the middle to Dallas, Goddard, pinpoint throw with the linebackers a little off and the safeties up top, waiting for him there.
1: Yeah. Um the The footwork aspect, like you mentioned is is uh definitely a part of lamar's game uh he's just he was just too fast for his own good, you know yeah, and I assume Hertz is similar in that regard as well. Hertz is a very talented player he's fast, he's agile I've watched him and and uh and expressing uh, the truth uh I'm a little bit biased because I like watching Jalen Hurts. I thought he was a he's fun a yeah. good addition. he was very fun to watch, yeah um but yeah Lamar's like you said, the footwork's a, a critical aspect, and Jackson had a little bit of happy feet. He knows he's the fastest athlete on the field yeah. at any given moment. And so it's hard. I assume it's hard. This is me just uh, going off assumption here. It's hard to drop back and slow yourself down when you can outrun everybody on that field if you were in a straight race or if you're just one-on-one with anybody, Lamar's going to win every one-on-one situation because he's flat out faster and has better acceleration than anybody on the field. And so I think that must be challenging to slow down when, when you know that you're faster than everybody else. And uh, that maybe caused a little bit of, of a, of a mental rep for Jackson to try and learn and, and uh, in, and utilize effectively
0: yeah i probably run a 6 so i can only imagine if i was as fast as lamar how much i'd be love and be excited to you'd run everywhere course.
1: wouldn't you like you'd yeah. be like you'd be in the grocery parking lots and be like hey do you want to race for for like a gallon of milk like hey do you yeah. want to you want to run like i would be hanging out everywhere and be like do you want to race do you want to race like i'd be the kid in the in the uh, lightning bolt Batman shoes and being like, yes, the these ones changes. make me faster. Boom. And then hopping on the flash ones. These ones make me fast. I would, I would do that all the time. Uh, you can yeah, always man. catch me sprinting. Yeah.
0: Get the PF flyers from the sandlot that Benny, <laughs> the exactly. Jeff or you're in one of those old school, uh, TV game shows where it's the supermarket <laughs> thing. And you have to put as many things in the cart as sweet baby yes yeah, i'm soon, here i'm then, throwing
1: hams and wheels of cheese yeah, in this thing <laughs> yeah getting all the, oak, the expensive oat milk in, in there and everything it's, like that we, we have a strategy here Seamus. we have a strategy now
0: yeah <laughs> we talked a little bit before the show but marquise brown someone who i really wanted the eagles to draft in 2019 they end up getting andre dillard who hasn't had a lot of success at the nfl right now again that's another discussion Hollywood Brown loved him coming in the draft. Again, hasn't really lived up to that first round bill- billing. seemed like, again, we talked about with the running backs, they had great running backs, and Mark Andrews emerged as, you know, one of the premier tight ends in the league in 2018 and 2019. So how do you see, or how did Lamar have success as someone who's probably better at the deep ball and some of the short game without real true, true high-level talent at the receiver position?
1: Right. Uh- Marquise is a, is a very talented player. Absolutely. Uh, I've, I've watched him, and I know that's not you. you weren't saying otherwise. It's just that he, he uh, has been a little inconsistent. Lamar has inconsistencies, and when you both are on different wavelengths, it's really challenging for an offense to operate. Also, uh, Marquise was being asked to essentially step into the NFL and become what uh, a relative of his would be, and that's Antonio Brown. A lot of people just said, This is the next Antonio Brown. Throw him on your offense. He's going to catch 100 balls and he's going to go off for 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. Like, that's who Marquise Brown is. Like, that's unfair aspirations of any rookie. And uh, that was challenging. Also, Marquise Brown has yet to have a full real training camp. Which is last year he you know his rookie season he had a couple screws in his foot was missing time. Uh, The next year everything shut down and virtual and and uh, off site due to COVID nineteen. But as for how the Ravens have operated with uh, with the offense and trying to give Jackson weapons, they've taken shots. You know they've they've done so. And this season, more than any, it's it's being realized just how many you know rounds in the chamber they've fired at trying to get this offense set up for Jackson's long-term success they drafted Marquise Brown they drafted Miles Boykin they've they signed uh, free agencies all throughout including Sammy Watkins his most recent offseason they drafted Rashad Bateman and Tylan Wallace first round pick there for Rashad Bateman Uh, J.K. Dobbins was a draft pick uh, not this year but the year prior they're trying their best to surround him with a, a full offensive group. They brought in Kevin Zeitler uh, after trading Orlando Brown jr. At his request, they brought in Alejandro Villanueva to fill in that right tackle spot. This free agency period and draft period was had nothing to do with the defense. They already had Clays Campbell, Derek Wolf, an uh, uh, all-pro tandem of cornerbacks with Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. They had no reason to pursue anything defensively. And they said, we want to surround our franchise quarterback with all the options available for us and uh, that can be afforded by us. Uh, early in his career, it's tough, but when you bring in a wide receiver in 2018 – excuse me, bring in a quarterback in 2018, you can't expect to also bring in a whole host of weapons to surround them with. It takes a multi-year plan to be successful, especially when uh, you didn't get started with this plan until halfway through 2018. So they went out and drafted Marquise Brown right away in 2019 and miles Boykin as well. Uh, they've pursued weapons. They've done everything they can. It really does feel that way to, to bring in players to, uh, lead towards his long-term success.
0: Yeah, when speaking about Brown and him never really having a full offseason, what worries me now is I'm recording this Monday afternoon. It was announced today that first-round pick, Devontae Smith, has an MCL sprain in his knee. He's week-to-week. Obviously, Eagles have had some murky injury history. When they hear week-to-week, it's kind of a yeah. you know light bulb goes off your head, get really nervous, things like that. And you know Adam Schefter said it might be a two to three week injury. Maybe he's ready for week one. Maybe he's not. But even if he plays in week one, I'm worried about him just being behind in terms of transitioning to the pro game because he has all the talent in the world. But without building up that rapport with hurts in training camp throughout the preseason, just getting his legs under him—quite literally, I guess—and it's a knee injury, and that's a scary thing for me. And I'm not comparing him to Brown. I have all the hope in the world that Devontae Smith can be a pro bowl, all pro player for years to come,
1: mm-hmm. but I'm already
0: a little bit nervous there. And because it would also negatively affect Hertz's development. You're kind of putting him in a situation like Carson Wentz did for the last couple of years, where there's really no talent at wide receiver. They have guys like Travis Fulgham who flash for, you know, two or three weeks, four weeks, whatever it was last season. And then, you know, turn back into a pumpkin. You have Jalen Rager up and down pretty, pretty disappointing rookie season. Then Greg Ward, the you know, the, our average is the least yards per reception in the NFL the last couple of years. So yeah. not a lot of great talent there. So I'm a little concerned, probably more so than more Eagles fans. I'm a little more pessimistic that the Smith injury might mirror similarly to some of the stuff that Brown has dealt with in his NFL career, both smaller guys.
1: I think that's a fair comparison. I think also that you are looking at it through a, a, a little bit of a pessimistic scope. Um but the Ravens have similar uh, injury notes when you hear week to week, day to day, because yeah. actually it was just announced today. Like you said this is being recorded on Monday that Marquise Brown left on Thursday's practice with Ooh. a leg injury. And they said it's more precautionary than anything. You know, it's a little bit of tightness and, and uh, we just want to make sure the muscle health is there. It is now Monday, and uh, he still hasn't returned to the field. That's three practices. They did have Sunday off, and uh, when asked today, John Harbaugh said, "Yeah, it's a uh, it's a little bit worse than we had initially been told, and uh, we're going to see. And he's going to be back out there when he comes out there." The reason Harbaugh doesn't even give us a specific date or specific day-to-day, week-to-week term is because of the Brashad Perryman saga that unfolded with the Ravens here a few years back when he would suffer an injury. They said he'd be out here tomorrow, and then he didn't, and then he's back out next week, and then he suffered another knee injury. And it was every week, he's week-to-week, he's week-to-week, and and it became such a repetitive and frustrating process for Perryman, Harbaugh, and the Ravens fan base and the media involved that. Arbaugh now doesn't really want to uh, disclose speci- uh, like specificity with injury news, particularly with wide receivers. So I can, I can certainly uh, feel what you mean and sympathize there with, uh, when it comes to wide receiver injury news.
0: Yeah, I still think if Smith plays 15, 16 games, he could top 1,000 yards. He could be in the offensive rookie of the year discussion Mm -hmm. for sure, but I just don't want him to be a little bit behind, and I don't want to cause that domino effect where Jalen Hurts is behind where he should be because of the lack of Smith there because I'm so excited for him, everyone in Philadelphia is, and he's going to obviously play a gigantic role in this offense when he's on the field, You know, going to be their best skill position player immediately. So obviously Eagles fans, hoping for that. a lot right now. That's that's our biggest concern, more so than mm-hmm. uh, you know, Jalen Hurts' footwork or accuracy right now. I think everyone just wants Smith to be healthy and on yep. the field September twelfth down in Atlanta. Kyle, mm-hmm. thank you so much for coming on. Do you have yeah. anything to quickly plug? I kind of told you a little spiel earlier. Anything that podcast? Anything we want to look out for?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, if you are interested in reading a wrap up of Ravens media news and coverage, uh, that's actually what Late for Work is. I scour all across all forms of online media and find the best stories uh, Monday through Friday. I cover on Mondays and Wednesdays. And uh, Kevin Eck is the other writer here, is an incredible writer. Uh, so go to BaltimoreAvens.com, uh Late for Work, and uh, you can read some of the best uh, Wrap ups of the Ravens news and coverage. Other than that, please do enjoy BaltimoreBeatDown.com. I love the SB Nation NFL show as we were talking about earlier. I'm not even on it, other than to uh, yell at BLG sometimes or RJ Ochoa, but that's certainly worth subscribing to. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: it's awesome. You're right for the site. I can't imagine the Eagles asking me to write for their website. Maybe a little too. I guess the <laughs> nicest way to put it would be eccentric uh, to kind of talk about that. I don't want to have to talk about how. You know, We need to have the addresses of these referees made public or something like that on these <laughs> official website. Kyle, no, that wouldn't go over well. <laughs> again, thank you so much for coming on. If you're listening to this, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening. If you're able to give a five-star review, please do so. Check out this. Be sure to check out the website, bleedinggreennation.com. Be sure to check out, as Kyle said, the SB Nation NFL show, BLG's on there doing great work, as well as so many people across the SB Nation NFL network. And follow me on Twitter and Instagram at shameless underscore Clancy and the BGM and Instagram, at Bleeding Green Insta. And keep Bleeding Green. I am haunted by you.
1: P-G-N. More to-dos, less time,
0: and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder.